0: There is so much I want to do. There is so many places that I, I want to be both you know, physically and emotionally uh, and I could do it because the world is big and we have this lovely modern world with technology uh, and whatever you want, you, you work for it and it can be yours.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we'll continue the conversation with strata titled property expert and host of your strata property podcast, Amanda Farmer. Find out about what buildings you should be looking to invest in as well as the growing issue of smoking within strata buildings and much, much more. There are many apartments on the market to choose from and one of the common questions investors ask is what makes a good strata building for investment?
0: I think um, start first by looking at the age of the building. I wouldn't look at anything that is less than 15 years old and I'll tell you why. It's because these days about 70% of brand new apartment buildings have building defects and that is a very serious problem. Uh, in New South Wales it it also happens in other states as well and there are some steps that have been taken by our state government in terms of legislation to try and correct this but we're just not seeing that flow through yet so I don't do a lot of conveyancing but if a client does come to me with a contract to purchase a brand new apartment off plan I have a stock standard advice and that advice starts with do not sign this contract
1: Uh,
0: I just it the number of apartment owners I've seen go through about seven years of hell trying to chase a developer or a builder that's disappeared. There's no insurance for high-rise buildings. They've had to go ahead and contribute more money after they've been absolutely stretched to the limit. Might be their first home in a brand new apartment. They're just not a good idea. So I wouldn't look at anything less than 15 years old, uh, up to about you know 40 or 50 years old. We have some really great older buildings in Sydney. Uh, and But as you said, Tyrone, you don't see them. You, you sort of think about apartments and you think, oh, these 200-lot, 15-storey-plus um, builds, uh, is, is, that's what's being promoted to us. That's what the developers want us to buy. But there's definitely good older buildings out there. Um, as they get older, do be aware that there's usually some phases of significant remediation works to be done. So the roof membrane will probably have to be replaced. There may be concrete cancer in the balconies. So those are big jobs and they're quite common jobs for buildings that are about 35 years old. So the way you find out what's happening and what you might be up for in the future is to make sure you go and inspect the books and records of the building of the owner's corporation before you sign the contract. That is a really important part of doing your due diligence when you're buying a strata apartment, you must go or have your lawyer go or hire an expert to go and look at those books and records and see what is on the horizon for this building. Is it in the middle of uh, litigation? Are there big levies coming up to pay for works? Does everybody hate each other?
1: Should you still go ahead with these properties or is it better to steer clear?
0: It depends what it is, what the problem is and it also depends who you are, who the buyer is. So, uh, I might buy into a building that's in the middle of litigation and has some major work coming up because I know how to handle that and I'm comfortable with that And I know that I'm shaving off some money on the purchase price because I've said to the vendor, "Hey, I've just inspected the records, and you know there's a loan on the books for five hundred thousand that's going to have to be paid back. So I know my levies are going to go up in six months' time. So I'm going to knock twenty thirty grand off the purchase price for that." And somebody else has looked at that loan and gone, oh, I'm not touching this place. I'm not going to buy it because they don't sort of understand what that means. So uh, it depends what it is. Depends who you are. Uh, I know other people who would just say, no, nope, I'm a busy person. I work hard. I do not want any problems with my home. I'm going to live in this place. I don't want, uh, I can't afford for the levies to go up. So I'm going to have to walk away. So you really have to assess that from a, a personal point of view.
1: She talks about her decision to move into a Strata Complex and shares why.
0: We'd settled with the government, so we were cashed out, we were ready to go. Uh, I decided that if we were going to live in Strata, it was going to be uh, a very nice apartment, it was going to have views, uh, it was going to be a place with great amenity uh, and Bondi really just ticks a lot of those boxes, so that was where we ended up uh, focusing and this particular apartment on the papers on the on the books and records had problems this building had problems and they were problems that other purchasers had been looking at and then walking away from the opportunity because of those problems so uh, i used the example earlier of a loan on the records that's exactly what this building had they had borrowed some money to do some as i said significant remediation work it's a 35 year old building it's ready for it and That's possible for strata buildings to do and often buildings want to borrow money instead of raising levies because the owners can't afford to put their hand in their pocket and put the money up straight away but they can afford to make smaller loan repayments over time. But what happens when you borrow money is that it's shown as a debt on the records and if you do want to sell, purchasers are coming in and saying, why is there such a huge debt on the records and what does that mean for me, you've got the benefit of this loan and I'm going to have to pay it off. So uh, I use that, as I said, to my advantage in negotiating with the vendor. I worked out what the repayments would be over time and I knocked that off the purchase price and said, well, we've got to be negotiating around this end, not that end.
1: (laughs) Fixing up some of the issues of the building can provide value down the track.
0: Nothing else specifically about issues. Uh, The building definitely had and still has a lot of potential when it comes to, uh, improvements, it is in an incredibly unique place in the suburb in that it's very accessible to all the amenities, but it's at a quiet end and it overlooks a park. Uh, and it was, uh, it's actually one of the very first Mervac builds, um, and, and they still have a reasonably good reputation. Um, and it's, It had been a little bit neglected, let's say, for the last 10 to 20 years, around that time when things really should have started to be done, uh, carpets and painting and exterior work, um, none of that's really being done. So, I've looked at that and said, well, I can come in, I can explain to the owners why this is so important and how it can add value to everyone's investment and I can start getting that process Underway, and I've paid less because those things haven't been done. But when I come to sell, and this building is spick and span and it's looking great, then I'm going to see that um, I'm going to see that value there for me.
1: Farmer tells us about the importance of turning up to an annual general meeting in your building.
0: You need a majority of the people who are present and voting at the meeting to pass a levy. So, that doesn't mean a majority of owners in the building. It's only the majority of those who turn up to the meeting to vote. Yeah. So, it can actually be a lot less. Uh, I know in our building, as I said, we've got about 37 lots. Um, If we get 15 or 16 people at the meeting, that's crowded. Um, so we're only having to convince say eight or nine people that the levies at this amount or whatever the proposal is that we want to put in place at the time, that it is um, that it's in the building's best interest. And a great way to do that as well uh, is to have a good strata manager. So, the strata manager is the person that the building engages to do all the day-to-day stuff like issue invoices for levies, organize the plumber when something goes wrong, organize the electrician, pay the gardener, uh, attend the meetings and explain to the owners what their legal obligations are when it comes to repairing and maintaining the property. So, they, they definitely have to do that by law um, and explaining why the levy amount that's being proposed is being proposed. You know, if we, if everybody pays this much per quarter, then this is how much we'll have in the bank. And then we'll have this much at the end of the year. And then we'll be able to replace the roof membrane, which is currently leaking into unit number 35 and unit number 35 is going to sue us <laughs> if we do not replace the roof membrane. So sometimes you have to be as black and white as that as to say, this is a legal obligation. You're going to end up in court paying lawyers to resolve this if you don't raise the money now and work that needs to be done
1: Renovating is not as easy as they make it seem on TV shows like the block
0: This is a mistake that I see lots of investors make they think that they can just buy a rundown old apartment they can guss it do uh, produce something fabulous do a, um, a block renovation uh, a, a Sharri barber renovation and um, and they'll be making a mozo and they'll do it turn it all around in four weeks that is not going to happen and it's important that you understand that before you buy so that you can budget. Um, If you're buying just to flip, then you're not going to have tenants in there, uh, you're not going to have rental income, you've got to make sure that you can cover your mortgage if you've borrowed to buy in the process of waiting for approvals and for renovating. So, um, for renovations that are going to affect waterproofing, that are going to affect structural items, so you're going to change structural walls or that are going to change the external appearance of the building, you must have uh, an approval at a general meeting of the owners' corporation and you're going to need a bylaw to be prepared. So, that's a document that should be prepared by a strata lawyer that explains all of the work that you're doing and it shifts the responsibility to you for the work. So, it removes the risk from the owners' corporation. That bylaw has to be approved at a general meeting. Uh, and the threshold for bylaw approvals is higher than a majority. Uh, in simple terms, it's actually two-thirds that you would need to approve a bylaw. So, you need to get your bylaw underway. You need to, once you've got that done, you need to send that usually to the strata manager if they're the point of contact. And you need to say, got this bylaw, I want it to be put forward at the next general meeting of the owners corporation for consideration. Okay. You can't start your work until that bylaw is approved. Now, these meetings at, at uh, shortest might take four weeks to convene. Or the owners corporation might say, you know what? We're not having a meeting for six months. We don't have one due. We don't really feel like calling one. We don't really like you. We don't really want the work to ha- building. So, you it, it's very difficult to force a meeting without a tribunal order. Um, so, you may be waiting uh, much longer for the meeting to happen. And then, of course, you're doing your work and that takes time and there's always things that crop up to extend that. So, um, I'd definitely be looking at 6 months if I was buying to renovate a significant renovation as an investor. Um, nothing's really going to be finished within 6
1: months. Even if you own your apartment in the building? Sometimes, you still need to get renovations approved.
0: Paint jobs don't. So, that's cosmetic work. Um, Installing built-in wardrobes, replacing carpet, that's not a problem. That's all cosmetic. Kitchen renovations do require general meeting approval. They don't require a bylaw but they do require majority approval at a general meeting. Um, So, there are some things that you can do quickly and they're they're the ones that you're really doing your um, four-week ultra-fast renovation. There's great ways to improve value in in strata apartments without doing those major renovations for sure.
1: We discovered the need to brush up on the building's bylaws before beginning a renovation.
0: My website has lots of information at yourstrataproperty.com.au. The podcast has been going for about three years now and so it's built up this lovely library of info uh, about all things Strata and it just takes a quick search to find something that's relevant to renovation works. Uh, And bylaws, look, Strata lawyers prepare bylaws Um, That's something that we're all very comfortable with, uh, make sure if you do need a bylaw prepared you're going to a strata lawyer because that could just be a waste of time if you get someone who doesn't really know what they're doing the committee the strata committee or the manager will just send it back to you and say nope try again uh, and you're probably paying about i charge about a thousand dollars to do a bespoke bylaw uh, but i also have templates on my website so uh, one of my templates is the most popular is actually the renovation works bylaw and that's much much uh, cheaper than bespoke advice um so you can check out the template as well.
1: Planning out the steps ahead on how to improve your property is really important.
0: Yeah, we've impl- implemented a few things. Um, one, big thing that we have done, which is really important for all buildings, is to plan. And our legislation in New South Wales actually requires strata buildings to have a 10-year plan for what we call capital works. So, things that are repair and maintenance items that absolutely must be done. You have to have a 10-year plan for that so that you can start raising money now for something that, will need to be done in five or 10 years' time. So, this building didn't have that plan when I came in. uh, And so, they were a little bit lost in terms of what to do and when to do it. But we have now had that plan put together. And so, now the next general meeting that we have, our AGM, we will be able to adopt that plan and start raising levies in the right amount to properly budget for these future works. So, that when it comes up that we do have to repaint the exterior of the building for example, the money is sitting in the fund ready and waiting and we don't have to borrow money so we're not going to have one of those big debts on the records again.
1: Farmer doubles down on the importance of planning and budgeting when it comes to investing.
0: They definitely had levies and had a sinking fund, but the levies have been far too low. So, this is a mistake that a lot of people make, and it often is investors, I have to say, uh, who think that having low levies is a good thing. Um, That's a really important point to make when you're looking for strata apartments. Uh, If you see low levies, but you see a building in need of attention and you see items that do require regular maintenance, like a pool or a gym or a lift, then levies shouldn't be low. Levies need to be higher. And if if they are not high enough, then ultimately you're going to reach a, a stop point where there's no money left in the fund and you're going to have to put in your pocket and put in a lump sum like 10 or 20 grand, or you're going to have to borrow money. So, um, a lot of buildings, because they don't have those professionally prepared plans in place, uh, which is done by someone who's similar to like a, a quantity surveyor, um, they're a little bit lost and they the meeting, um, the people who co- go to the annual general meeting and vote on these things just want a simple, quick, cheap solution, simple, quick, cheap um, obligation and particularly investor owners are looking at their bottom line and saying, well, I've got a budget throughout the year of what I can contribute to levies and, and this is the limit of it and they just don't have the foresight to look down the track and say, well, ultimately this is in the long-term interest of my investment to increase this amount.
1: Coming up after the break, we'll delve into the growing issue of smoking in buildings.
0: So what our our courts and our tribunals have held is that um, smoking is a nuisance and uh, if you're causing that nuisance and the only way to stop it is to stop smoking then it is reasonable for a building to have a bylaw that says you...
1: What advice she would give to herself 10 years ago?
0: 10 years ago, I would have said the world is bigger than you think. The opportunities that you think are out there, um, 10x that. um, There is just so much. uh, There's more than you can imagine. Um, Think big.
1: And that's next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. There's been a crackdown on smoking in Australia and has become a highly debated issue when it comes to buildings as well.
0: It is possible to deal with smoking by introducing a bylaw to your building. And we actually have recorded cases in New South Wales that um, make clear that a building can ban smoking, certainly on the common property, so in the common areas, but also within lots. So within units, you can actually stop an occupant from smoking in their own home. And that's because of smoke drift. It's because it's so hard to control the movement of smoke from a lot into onto the common property and the uh, obviously the, the health effects that are very well known about smoking and the fact that smoking causes a nuisance. And we do have in our legislation that owners are not to cause a nuisance to occupiers and not to cause a nuisance to other occupiers. So what our, our courts and our tribunals have held is that um, smoking is a nuisance and uh if you're causing that nuisance and the only way to stop it is to stop smoking, then it is reasonable for a building to have a bylaw that says you cannot smoke anywhere on this property. So that's a really popular question and that's becoming a really popular bylaw as well, a non-smoking bylaw for buildings to implement.
1: With the crackdown on smoking, she talks about the value of non-smoking buildings.
0: I've certainly seen where smoking has... um, Caused a significant loss to a landlord. Uh, There was a tribunal case a couple of years ago where a landlord was renting out their apartment to a young family, and the neighbor was a chain smoker. And this young family was suffering and suffering because of the impacts of the uh, smoke drift, and the landlord didn't do anything. And the landlord ended up being fined $11,000 by the tribunal for their failure to provide a, a safe and healthy living environment for their tenant. And what was interesting about that case is that in the reasons for decision, the tribunal said, this landlord could have approached the owners corporation, the body corporate, and could have asked them to intervene and could have asked them to introduce a bylaw that banned smoking, but the landlord did not do that. So, that became a real um, sort of scary case for landlords to say, hey, even if it's not someone smoking in your apartment. You've got to be aware of what's happening around the building because that can come back to bite you.
1: Farmer talks about the influence that others have had on her career.
0: Mentors are vital to me and it's something that I recommend anybody has, uh, everybody has, uh, depending on where you're at in your stage of life. Uh, I have business mentors. I have mentors who are friends of mine uh, who can mentor me on a more personal side. I have professional mentors who I pay. Um I think from a property side of things, um, definitely, as I said earlier, my parents were a big influence on me, seeing them be successful uh, with property and my extended family. Um, I was able to turn to them to seek their advice and their guidance. Um, looking at properties, what do you think? Taking someone with you who's been there, uh, who's purchased, uh, particularly if you're looking at apartments and someone who knows apartments and knows what to look for. Uh, anyone who's got building experience i'm lucky to have a, a brother who's a carpenter so we have a good skill set there in the family um but absolutely seeking out those mentors uh, someone i i just think someone who's been there and done that is just going to fast track your success so you can skip so much when you've got the knowledge of that person who says you know what don't go down that path because i did and this is what happened um, you can really avoid that pain just by talking to that person.
1: Continuous learning is always important. Farmer likes to read to keep her mind at work.
0: I do enjoy a good personal development book. Um, Having said that, I also read a lot of fiction just to turn my brain off at night. But um, one book that really scratched an itch for me was the book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Um, And I say scratched an itch because it's all about the the little things that call it successful people do every day that build up over time and looking at people who seem like massive successes, how did they do it uh, and how do they keep doing it? And what this book teaches you is it's these little things that Keep coming together, and he uses the example of compound interest. You know, you just keep putting that money aside, and you it earns interest on interest on interest. Um, and I think when I became a parent, I thought, you know, I I feel like I've had a pretty good life. I feel like uh, I've been lucky, maybe, in some decisions that I've made. Uh, I enjoy what I do. I, I'm on a good path. I'm happy. How do I, as a parent, uh, make sure that my child has the same or similar? good experience. And so I became very focused on what are those things that maybe I do unconsciously or what are those things that my parents taught me that I didn't realize were, they were teaching me that I can then pass on. Um, So that book really answered a lot of those questions. And I think it's a great book for parents to, to read and even to give their kids when they're a little bit, a little bit older. So, um, you know, how it's about good health. It's about eating right, you know, good Good years are made up of good months, are made up of good days, are made up of you know putting the right thing in your mouth and making sure you get exercise. You know, Good relationships are about talking to that person every day and spending time. So, when those things are working out, um, then you start to find that the bigger things start working out as well.
1: There are still pieces of advice that stick with pharma to this very day.
0: The best advice uh, has probably come from a mentor of mine, uh, which is, be uncomfortable with uncertainty. So um, this is something that I find a lot of people struggle with and I struggle with it as well. Just being in the moment and not knowing what's going to happen next or not knowing what the right decision is or not knowing if this is the right decision and being okay with that. Uh, Some people are frozen in time because they can't make a decision. And this, I I see this, I I saw this sort of 10 years ago when a lot of my friends were buying property and you think, just buy it or just jump in or just do it. You know, it's never going to be cheaper in Sydney than it is today. Um, You know, you've got to take that step. And I saw a few of them just so frozen with having to make that decision. Um, Whereas I, for whatever reason, was more comfortable with Look, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I've, no, I've done my research. I'm, I feel I'm making an informed decision and I'm taking an informed risk. I think this is a good decision. I'm still a little bit uncertain, but I'm never going to be 100%. So let's jump. Uh, I'm young enough it, it, that it'll work out. And I think it, it comes up in so many different ways uh, when you, you don't know what a client is thinking, you don't know how a case is going to turn out. Um, that's okay. It's all right to be unsure. And the other way to see this is if you're not sure, Um, then just stand still for a minute, take a breath uh, and the answer often shows itself. If you just slow down, feel that moment of discomfort, that moment of being unsure, uh, then often the answer will come to you.
1: We discover some of the things that Pharma has learned over the course of her career through experience.
0: 10 years ago, I would have said, the world is bigger than you think the opportunities that you think are out there um 10x that um there is just so much uh, there's more than you can imagine um think big i think i'd say think big because when i do look back 10 years ago you know i i was thinking about what my life would be like and and it seems kind of simplistic <laughs> to what it is now. And now uh, I feel more, and I think maybe that's just part of being older and being more confident. Now I feel more like, yes, I, I there's so much I want to do. There is so many places that I, I want to, be both, you know, physically and emotionally, uh, and I can do it because the world is big, and we have this lovely modern world with technology uh, and whatever you want, you you work for it, and it can be yours. So I think I'd be telling myself from ten years ago that that was that's the future, and go girl!
1: There is still plenty more that farmer wants to accomplish in the future.
0: I'm very excited about building the online side of my business. I've been doing that for the last three years, and. Um, Again, it's one of those things that I thought lawyers could never do, that lawyers couldn't provide online services, that I would forever be tied to the billable hour with my backside on a seat and I had to be sitting across from a client to be able to make money. Um, That is so not true. So anybody who thinks, oh, well, online business is for people selling t-shirts and soaps, uh, no way. You can definitely, anything you do, um, professional services or otherwise, there can be an online component to that uh, and I'm talking about selling, I'm talking about selling online. Um, that's the freedom that that's given us to be able to travel, to be able to you know be in another country uh, overseas taking a break and still making money is amazing and I just, I do have a plan for the next five years and uh, I know that I'll achieve that and I'm really excited to be on the other side of that and keep enjoying life.
1: Farmer shares with us whether intelligence, skill and hard work played a role in a success or whether it was just luck.
0: I think l- luck does play a big role. I didn't credit luck enough when I was younger. Uh, I was lucky that my f- very first job uh, was was with who it was with, uh, who a man who's still my mentor today, a lawyer, um, who really shaped my view of what lawyering was about. Um, that was just luck that he was there and he accepted me to, co- to come and work for him, that we found each other. Um, I I think hard work as well does probably plays an equal and probably plays an equal role let's say that um I always assume that I don't know enough that I don't know the answers that I, I'm going into a meeting with people who know more than me so I over prepare um that's always put me in a good position because I end up being uh, the person who is most prepared at the table um so hard work definitely plays a big role um it's a bit of both Tyrone that's all I can say
1: Finally, she tells us where we can reach her and keep up to date with what she's doing.
0: So, the best way to connect with me is via my website which is www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. If you head over there, uh, you'll see lots of free resources. Uh, there's an ebook about the number one thing that dramatically improves apartment living. You can download that and find out that secret. I could also tell you the secret which is a functioning strata committee dramatically improves apartment living let me tell you that's really really important that you get your strata committees under control Uh, but you'll find the podcast there as well and you'll be able to um, connect with me there
1: Thank you to Amanda Farmer, our guest on this episode of Property Investor. If you want to hear more about her journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestor.com.au.